0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of Real World Serverless, a podcast where I speak with real world practitioners and get their stories from the trenches. Today, I'm joined by Uri from Lumigo. Hi, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, i glad to be here.
0: So we've been working together at Lumigo for a little while now. For the audience who are not familiar with uh, who Lumigo is, can you just quickly tell us uh, about Lumigo, what it does and what is your role there?
1: Sure. So, uh, my name is Uri Parush, and uh, I'm a senior developer at uh, Lumigo. I have more than 10 years' experience in the industry as a developer, a system architect, and so on. And, and I joined Lumigo like more than a year ago, and uh, I'll really be glad to tell you a bit about Lumigo. So, what actually Lumigo does is uh, a serverless observability platform. And uh, what does it mean? So. We actually give uh, troubleshooting uh, issues when you have for the serverless uh, platform uh, stuff like uh, errors in Lambda and in your function, but with the full power of uh, Flow context, uh, which you can actually see the business impact of those uh, issues. And I will elaborate a bit it a bit more later. Uh, we s- we also have a, a visibility. Uh, it's also visibility tools. Uh, of all the moving parts of your serverless system. Uh, this means it's not just about Lambda. You have many other services, probably like E3, Kinesis, DynamoDB, Firewalls, and so on. And uh, we put them all in the same place and show you the full visibility of all your flow using them. Uh, another great thing about Lumigo is predefined alerts. You get uh, the right focus on your issues uh, with specific alerts, which are predefined by Lumigo and, uh, we use our experience to give you the best insights we can do. And uh, one more thing about uh, Lumigo that it also consolidates all your serverless application data. And what is this data? Um, I'm talking about logs, uh, trace data, and uh, metrics. And we actually put all of those, all of this data in a single source of truth, uh, which is usually a hard work for uh, each customer need to do. And uh, we do it for you. So uh, Lumigo was an interesting journey of Lumigo product was when I started to work with Lumigo. uh, The main focus of Lumigo was the operational team. Uh, A real focus was to help the operation team with the day-to-day work to keep a healthy production. Uh, But as time passed by, uh, we started to see more and more customers using Lumigo, not just for the production environment, but for all their environments, which include the developer personal account, the CI, CD environment, staging environment, and so on. Uh, so today uh, we have customers using Lomigo all over their product uh, development lifecycle, which is amazing. Uh, and of course in Lomigo, we do the same uh, for our uh, environment. So Lomigo is not just a production tool, it's a full product lifecycle tool.
0: Okay, so with Lumingo ingesting a lot, a lot of this information from the customers, uh, so you must be taking in a lot of data because every time I invoke my function, you're going to get some data coming into your system. So how does, uh, well, I guess, what does the Lumingo's architecture look like from, say, 30,000 uh, feet view?
1: So in general, uh, our system, as many uh, other systems out there, is a data streaming, data processing system. Uh, which result in useful insight for our customers. Uh, We collect data from multiple sources like uh, Trace uh, trace Lambda. Uh, We use a lightweight agent, uh, which we custom made for uh, Lambda uh, Lambda services. And we also collect uh, customer's logs and uh, AWS services metrics. Uh, with all three uh, sources, uh, the user gets the full context of the business flows in the system. Uh, for example, uh, let's let's take an example of API gateway uh, trigger Lambda, uh, which call a uh, DynamoDB. Uh, with Omega, uh, you get a clear view of uh, the flow, alongside with the relevant context. And what do I mean by saying context? Uh, let's say the API gateway uh, triggered the Lambda. And uh, what you will see in Lumigo is also the uh, event which was triggered, which include the path, the query param, the header, everything you need to know about the event that triggered the Lambda. Uh, you get the Lambda execution data, which includes also the errors, the return value, environment parameters, and so on. And you also get the query for the DynamoDB, for example, the table name, the context of the query, the data of the query, and so on. So you get the full context. So uh, our architecture is based purely on uh, serverless and all our infrastructure using only serverless technology. We don't have any VM or physical uh, uh, machine. And uh, we use m- multiple services of AWS like Kinesis, A3, Firewalls, Lambda, DynamoDB, API Gateway, and the list goes on. And we always uh, using more and more uh, new services of AWS, uh, and it's worked really good for us. So we usually use Kinesis Firewalls to stream the data. Uh, we use DynamoDB to store the data, and we use Lambda to process the data. This is our core services in the in our
0: infrastructure. Okay, so as a customer that uses uh, Lumigo, one of the criteria that you know, that's important to consider for me is the, how much overhead is uh, the Lumigo collection agent or the whole or the whole process is adding to my function's invocation time. Um, have you guys done any work to minimize the sort of the, the I guess the latency for your collection API so that, uh, uh, for example, if you, you know if you you say your service is all serverless, uh, I imagine you're gonna have API gateway and Lambda. Uh, but Lambda has got a cold start and it's not acceptable for me to finish my invocation to send you the data, but then you have a cold start on your end. So are you doing anything on the server side, on the backend side of things to optimize that latency, maybe moving the collection API to um, containers perhaps?
1: So actually that's true. Uh, When we started uh, developing the Lumigo product, Uh, We use API Gateway and uh, we found it uh, a bit problematic for our customer because we had latency issues. So the error agent is uh, very lightweight and to keep it lightweight, uh, we did some changes in in our uh, infrastructure and we moved to using uh, containers and Fargate, uh, which use NGX to to process our uh, trace data. Uh, So our latency is really low now, we're talking about a few milliseconds to tens of milliseconds. It really depends on your uh, lambda configuration, and, uh, and and this is how we solve uh, this issue for our customer, which is uh, very important to our customer. Latency is a huge core uh, idea in, in Lumigo. We don't want to impact uh, the customer environment at all, so it's very lightweight.
0: Yeah, that's great. And uh, another thing that uh, I've, I've noticed, because I've been also using Lumigo myself in some of my client projects, is that uh, you are scraping off some of the data. Uh, for example, sometimes the, the body or some, the, I noticed that some of the API keys are being scraped. Can you tell us a bit about uh, so some of the decisions that led to that? Because that's something that I don't think any of the other platforms are doing. But I think it's quite valuable, especially in a time where GDPR and data privacy has become more and more important thing. And one of the sort of blind sides that most of the applications have is, uh, well, it's great that you know we are you know, storing user data in, in places where we can easily delete them if they ask us to but we have also the same data being logged everywhere and it's gonna be a pain to try to get rid of those. Is that why you guys are doing all this data, data scraping so that you know, for GDPR compliance reasons, uh, that's one other thing that you don't have to think about?
1: So Lumigo is very customer oriented and uh, this specific uh, request came from a customer which was very, uh, which security is a high value for his company. Is, a, is even a security company. So you have to know that our uh, product align with all his security policies. So it was actually from a customer. And uh, of course we do the scraping uh, by default, uh, but we also have custom uh, fields that we can scrape from for every customer. So it's really uh, customized for all your uh, requests for all the customer requests. Uh, but yes, it, it was a request from a customer and uh, GDPR and any other certificate that you have, we are uh, want to, to know that we are not uh, damaging them.
0: Okay, that's great. I guess uh, one of the flip side of that is uh, sometimes I do want to see the, you know, the body and that they are scraped off by default. Um, but I guess uh, that's kind of the the trade-off you're making here. Uh, so you're saying that you, it's possible for me to say, um, you know, ask you to not scrape the... HTTP body for some operations, but you can configure that differently for per customer, right?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, Usually what we do is that we always uh, keep a a hook that uh, we can use some environment variables that can be customized for each customer. So we can have a customized environment for each of our customers with their specific need uh, for his uh, environment.
0: Okay, that's useful, that's good to know. Uh, I'll probably have to do something with you guys <laughs> so that uh, I, can, I can get some of my uh, HP bodies uh, in my um, Lumigo view. Um, so in this case, uh, you are ingesting a huge amount of data from all these different customers. Tell us about the, so I guess, your architecture for ingestion. And uh, did you learn anything when you're uh, uh, iterating on this architecture around cost and performance? Because again, with serverless, it's great when you are you know, running at a low scale. But as your scale goes up, your cost can also get you know, quite expensive as well. Are you guys you know, doing anything clever to optimize on the cost and performance? So actually, I
1: had a nice uh, journey on, on the cost issue. Uh At first, when I joined Lumigo, I never, I never developed a serverless, full serverless application before. And what I noticed here that uh, I was, I need to have a a shift in my mind. uh, For, for cost is very important in the serverless world because usually I I was focused before on, on performance but cost was a side issue. It's usually, it's not a developer responsibility. it was more uh, an architectural, the VP R&D architecture was this, this decision. And, uh, and now each developer has huge impact on the cost. Uh, and one of the things we noticed in Lumigo that uh, we use Kinesis uh, to stream all of data. And uh, in some places, uh, Kinesis become very uh, expensive for us. Uh, the reason for that is that uh, we couldn't do over-provision uh, in Kinesis for free. Uh, you, you are paying per shard in Kinesis and we actually need to do some over-provisioning to be prepared for lo- large amount of data and uh, the data is consistency and you never know when you're gonna, going to go peaks. So it's become more and more expensive for us to use the Kinesis in some parts of our system. So what we did is do some cost analysis to and compare between Kinesis and Firehose. And uh, we found Firehose a, a nice solution, a nice alternative uh, for some of our uh, flows. And uh, we actually switch between Kinesis and Firehose. Uh, uh, the big advantage is Firehose can have uh, over-provision for free. Uh, you do have some, uh, It's it's not, Streaming like uh, Kinesis. So you have some latencies uh, issues if you, if you use it all over your system. But in some parts of the system, the latency was not an issue. So we did the changer and it saved us a lot of money.
0: And I guess uh, Firehose has got a default throughput limit as well, right? If I remember correctly, it's like 10,000 records per second. Did you also have to ask AWS to raise that? Is that what you mean by uh, over provision?
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, till now, our AWS were very gentle with us and uh, give us all our requests. So yeah, I, I did a, a request for AWS and we did the over-provision of 10 times our traffic and uh, it was all good. And now we are prepared for much more and it doesn't cost us anything. So this was a big advantage for firewalls for us in, the, in this use case.
0: Yeah, that whole thing about the managing shards, uh, that's really annoying with uh, kinesis. And I do see uh, the, the appeal for uh, firehose in this particular regard um, because it's all paid by usage and you only pay for data that gets transferred uh, rather than paying for uptime for the shards. And the annoying thing also is that with Kinesis, there's no uh, there's no built-in auto-scaling. You end up having to build your own auto-scaling as well. I've done that like three three different times. Um, and even though they've got an API that you can call to change the shard number, there's no trigger for you to actually do your, you, know, you have to do the whole thing yourself or use the application auto-scaling mechanism, which is also not well documented for custom uh, scaling behaviors like this either. Uh, But yeah, so I do see the the appeal of why you guys went to that approach. Um, So another thing that I think we talked about before in terms of uh, what you've been doing to optimize for performance uh, is uh, you had to switch to a multi-region approach to improve the ingestion latency. Do you remember how much of a difference did that make? Uh, Was it a case of uh, a few milliseconds or was it tens of milliseconds? Any ideas of what sort of benefit uh, you were able to derive from going multi-region? So it, it was a it was a big change, and uh, it was a, it has a, a big impact
1: on the latency. And we do it for uh, and we do it for two reasons. One reason is really the latency, and the second one is uh, is the cost uh, because communication between uh, region the same region is is much cheaper than cross region so we do it also for not just for our trace data for also for our logs data and metrics data so we actually collect your uh, your all your all your customer data from a specific region which which is for uh, for we, we are not using cross region we are using the same region for every uh, collection so the impact time uh, is was like 10% of uh, of impact it was more than a few milliseconds as well, like tens to hundreds of milliseconds difference.
0: Okay. Did you also look at any other options uh, like a global accelerator, um, which I when I looked at it is quite expensive, but it's also meant to be really good in terms of uh, you know, making sure that the, the, the latency is really good. Doesn't matter where you are trying to access the endpoints from. So actually we
1: are, we are kind of start looking at it now. Uh, because we have a solid, uh, uh, we are in a solid place, which our uh, latency is, is uh, pretty low and we, we don't have to improve it anymore to get our customers satisfied, but we are looking for uh, for the future. Yeah, we, we might look at the other solution and uh, improve it even more, but we are currently have a very solid solution.
0: Okay, that's great. And uh, one other thing that I remember we talked about before was uh, that I think Lumigo is doing it, which, is quite, which I think is uh, quite fun. Uh, it's uh, you're using Lumigo to monitor Lumigo itself. Uh, so what were some of the insights that you, that you, you, know, you got from this? Uh, surely you, you, know, you probably experience a lot of the same pain points that your customers do as well in terms of uh, how difficult it is to sh- troubleshoot a serverless application, um, how do you guys I, you know, help identify problems for your customers?
1: So actually, this is a really interesting question. I, I think this is one of the best things about working in Lumigo is that you also used to be uh, also a customer of Lumigo, and uh, this this gives a, a really special view on on serverless uh, development, and uh, it actually means that every deb- developer in Lumigo have a huge impact on the product design. Uh, a lot of the ideas that uh, that we are uh, implementing the Lumigo platform are coming internally from Lumigo developers, uh, which is great. So it's I'm talking about stuff like which data is really important, which uh, graph is uh, is useful for us. Like, uh, do I need all the graphs as AWS? Do I need other graphs? Do I need to correlate uh, which data need to be correlated together, which give you the best view? Like which logs are important, uh, which views, views of timeline, views, views of graph or flows, uh, and many of the ideas uh, coming uh, internally. Uh, also, we have uh, specific alerts that, uh, that we invented in Lumigo that uh, we know help us to, to get over some uh, difficult, like uh, do I have a Lambda that's stopped triggering and uh, it could, it could see like a, a, an issue. It could be an issue. It's, it's not an error, but it could be an issue for my system. Usually a, a lambda triggered uh, every day and now it stopped. So those special alerts are, are really uh, internally designed in Lumingo. And uh, what, what it does is that we, because we have a huge uh, serverless uh, platform, we many times see problems that our customers are not facing yet. Uh, and it saves our customer a lot of time that we, we see it in Amigo, we develop the product to support them, and then we see other customers using the same uh, capabilities that we develop. So it's kind of amazing uh, that, that we always improving our product with our own insights.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the really interesting things that Lumigo is doing. I'm not sure if the other vendors are doing that, but definitely I think it's a, uh, it's a really good practice to be dog fooding yourself. And uh, I think, um, Netflix used to talk about this uh, quite, was, was it Netflix or Amazon? They used to talk about this uh, practice of, uh, you know, dog fooding yourself, uh, uh, quite a while back as well. Um, so you've, you've joined Lumigo for a few years now and you said this is uh sort of first time you've had to work on a fully serverless architecture. What are some of the challenges that you have experienced as you transition to this different way of building things, you know, this whole fully serverless or at least serverless first uh, approach to building systems?
1: So it, was, it it's an interesting question because when I first joined Lumigo and uh, I, I look at, at uh, serverless architecture and it really changed my point of view on how you should develop uh, and a des- a design a, a product, a system. And uh, so we actually as I said before I, I was more focused most of the time about uh, code quality and uh, performance issues and stuff like that, and cost was a big change for me because I never had such a huge responsibility on the cost and uh, I think I think this changed not just the the mindset of a developer but it changed the whole organization. So maybe the budget should need to be more close to the developer now because he's more responsible for this and stuff like that. So it really changed the, the point of view of uh, of things in, in in your organization. And uh, and and so this is this is my two cents about uh, about serverless uh, uh, development. So you you have to be prepared to to um, to change your your thought. Don't you have to become open to serverless uh, uh, system because. It really changed the way you build things. So it's, 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 it's amazing that you can infinitely scale or close to infinity scale, but you have other responsibilities that come along with that. Uh, so this was a really big change for me.
0: Yeah, that whole idea of uh, development and finance being, I guess, quite inter- interlinked. Uh, that's something that uh, Simon Wilder has talked about a lot. Uh, this whole idea of a uh, FinDev or finance, where finance and, and development kind of work together because uh, performance optimization has a really tangible and measurable cost optimization as well. And this whole idea of FinDev is something that uh, me, actually, I did a, a podcast recently with uh, Alexander uh, and uh, down. Who are also AWS service heroes as well. We pretty much did a whole episode on you know centered around FinDev, and there's also some really clever things you can do when it comes to FinDev. For example, uh, you can you can work out the, the return on investment on features and bugs, and see okay where should you optimize in terms of what where should you prioritize work? Because if a bug is maybe annoying, but you may, you may think it's quite important, but when you look at the actual cost of that bug, it may just be a few dollars, and uh, you, you know you may decide okay it's not worth optimizing at all or you look at a lambda function is inefficient but you know you're going to spend a month optimizing something that can only save you up to what $10 a month uh, again just not worth the engineering time you're going to spend into it because engineering time is also a cost as well and then there's also you know at times like this especially with COVID-19 and the financial impact it's had well the economic impact it's had globally This idea of FinDev can also be applied as a business advantage whereby, you know, we get pay as you go from AWS and we can build products. That are also charged on a variable basis based on how much you use the platform rather than always gonna be a fixed fee so that most customers end up can save end up saving a lot of money and especially at times like this where there's so much uncertainty economically. I think that's also gonna be a more and more common thing we're gonna see in terms of products and services coming out that are built using serverless as well. I, d- I definitely think that's, uh, that's the one area which probably not quite explored as you know, as much as I would like to see, but I definitely think it's something that uh, is gonna be much bigger going forward. Um, so in terms of uh, other things that uh, you know AWS can do better, are there any platform limitations that you have run into that's made your life difficult? Yes,
1: yeah, so actually uh, I-, I talked about it before. So. I really, really want to see a uh, Kinesis uh, really to just pay as a usage uh, uh, because in our system currently is one of the more expensive uh, components. And uh, I really want to see, uh, I don't want to pay for idle Kinesis. This is my, uh, this is my pain in Kinesis. Uh, we're not using it, I'm still paying for it. So I really want to see improvement in this area. A uh, second one is, is log group uh, multi-subscription. Uh, one other thing I can say about the uh, logs that usually you have more than one system that uh, need to go over your logs. It could be a security system. It could be a, a visibility system or a visibility system like ours. It could be other internal systems and having just one subscription really limits uh, your usage with logs. So I think this is a, a every really step forward to have multiple uh, subscription. And also one uh, pain, pain point that I that I discovered in uh, AWS is uh, the auto scaling of DynamoDB. Uh, I, f- I figured out that it's it's a bit slow, uh, so it's it's force your system because because you have slow auto scaling and you get throttle uh, for some time. Uh, I'm talking about minutes here, but but still in in our line of work, which is we are working streams and uh, in real time. A few minutes—it's kind of a lot. So uh, what we have to do is to do some back pressure and wait for the auto scaling to kick in. But but I I want to see uh, auto scaling work much much faster. Uh, that these are the three things that I really want to see improving uh, in in AWS, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure they're all under. Uh, I'm sure we will see them in the future.
0: So you know that the uh, multiple subscription filter thing, uh, apparently, as this is true, uh, is, uh, is already available today. But you have to raise a support ticket. It's not. It's not a service limit raise. It's a support ticket, and say, please enable it on my account. And it's a and uh, and they can be uh, enabled on the whole account, not on specific log groups. It's um, it's almost like a secret they didn't. They haven't talked about. But I only found out because I was. Ta- I just happened to be talking to somebody, uh, and they, and from AWS, and they and they told me that that's the thing. You can raise a support ticket and ask for it. Uh, which is just, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's it's crazy that they don't make that a thing that you can just turn on in the console. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's one uh, off the list. <laughs> um, and on the auto scheme. Yeah. Okay, go on.
1: Yeah, just, just, just about the, If you're talking about log group subscription, we are doing a auto subscription for our customer to, to collect their logs. So it's not really reasonable that we open a ticket for each customer we have. So it's not internal problem of ours. It's for our, all of our customers. So it's it's really problematic, and I I totally agree with you. It should be default. Should be very easy to do it. Uh, I I'm not sure why it's not like that, but I'm sure it's going to be.
0: Yes, and uh, the other thing you mentioned, the auto scaling for DynamoDB, I uh, I also ran into that uh, quite a few years ago. Or um, I think they've improved it a lot, uh, but it still doesn't auto scale fast enough. One of the things that one of the ways I found to work around it is the DynamoDB auto scaling is still uses the same auto application auto scaling mechanism, and it uh, when you enable it, it generates a cloud uh, watch alarm. So what you can do is that you can hijack that and you can change the the alarms uh, because it uses like I think five um, you check for five minutes. So what you can do is that you can change the alarm configuration to say one minute so that you can improve the auto scaling to kick off a lot faster. Again. Uh, something you should have to do yourself but uh, that's just one of the things that uh, i found i found um i guess with on demand it's just gonna be too expensive at the sort of scale that you are running at and probably you're gonna potentially exceed some of the limits as well in terms of how far you can go you can push with uh, on demand um okay so those are some really good uh, wish list items for aws to improve so that's everything i wanted to cover uh before we go is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners uh, any personal projects you want to share maybe uh, lumigo is hiring and how do people get in touch with you
1: uh so first of all lumigo is always hiring uh, we are always looking for passionate people to join our team and uh, be part of the industry leaders uh, which is great and uh and in person, more personal view, uh, I believe that serverless is going to change the way developer uh, building system. And uh, it's I, I can really see this is the future of uh, the, the development world. And uh, serverless brings great solution uh, to many of the architectural challenges I had before. And it's a real refresh from traditional development stacks. So I really encourage everyone to to not, even, even if you're just starting, uh, even if you do a mini project, uh, try to play with it. it, it it's a blow mind, mine. Um, and uh, th- that's, what, that's what I, I think about. Uh, but, but one thing you should know when, when you start uh, using serverless, it's you, uh, you have to come with an open mind because it changes a lot of your conceptions. So, so you need to think uh, differently when you're using serverless, but you, you have to try to, to understand it uh so i really encourage everyone to, to try it
0: and how do people find you on the internet how, maybe are you on twitter linkedin
1: so yeah 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 i'm on linkedin and twitter uh, email me uh, it's uri uh uri@lumigo.io uh, and uh, you can find me in all those three uh, uh sectors and um, just Ping me, whatever you want. You can ask any question about serverless uh, and we will be happy to help. Everybody in Lomigos, uh, we are really want to uh, contribute to the, to the community back, for the serverless community back.
0: Yeah, I've been working with Lumigo for a while now as a developer advocate uh, for a couple of days a week. And I have to say the guys are really friendly and I love interacting with uh, Ares and uh, Aviard and Effie and everybody. So uh, it's, really, it's a really good team, a good bunch. And they are doing quite a lot of work uh, around the community, uh, including all the stuff that they asked me to do in terms of open source and all that as well. Um, so, it's been great having you on the show, Uri. Uh, take care and uh, stay safe. I hope uh, the lockdown has not, you know, hasn't been quite as extensive uh, over in Israel as it's been here. <laughs> and Israel is, I think, a bit better.
1: Well, but uh, yeah, we are all hoping to just, uh, be finish and get over with it and get along with our life and do several stuff.
0: Yeah, let's, uh, let's hopefully that happens. Take care and stay safe. Bye bye.
1: Thank you very much, and bye bye.
0: That's it for another episode of Real World Serverless. To access the show notes and the transcript, please go to realworldserverless.com. And I'll see you guys next time.